Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Earlier this year, comedian John Daly released the musical comedy album Ding Dong Delicious. On it, he sings a song called Bring Back Ska. He name-checks Op Ivy, Sublime, and Buck 9 A few years before that, John played the ska pun-loving character Scott on Those Who Can't. That's S-K-A-A-T. So clearly John, who's known for acting in The Kroll Show, Bob's Burgers, and Big Mouth, has a ska past. And we wanted to know the details. This interview was a scatastrophe. <laughs> wow. It was actually fine. That was a great interview. It was fun. It was a great interview. Uh, I always find it fascinating when you watch TV shows and you see like actors and stuff portraying ska guys. Like, what's their reference point to ska? Yeah. What's their actual feelings about ska? Where are they coming from? Yeah, it's always hard to tell. Like, it, what's the understanding that people have? What's their relationship to the genre? And uh, so now we got to talk to John Daly, who played um, Scott on Those Who Can't. Scott, yeah. And he also released a song called Bring Back Ska. So there was uh, obviously some some amount of uh, interest in the genre. So it was interesting to hear his whole story about it and what he was thinking about it and his thoughts about the genre. My favorite plot point about uh, affirmative action is that they've <laughs> they broke up because the dancing guy couldn't make it. Yeah, <laughs> like you have your full band, but oh, the one the guy that dances can't make it, so that's why the band's got to break up. While we were doing the interview, like I I almost said like, you know, ska bands don't have dancing guys anymore, and then I thought, oh wait a minute, <laughs> Kill Lincoln, Lincoln does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, one thing I forgot to ask, though, is he he says that he doesn't like a, a, a certain ska band's name. Mm -hmm. But I, I wondered what he thought of, what he thought of the name Kill Lincoln. I should have asked. I forgot to ask. Yeah. So we'll have to tweet it at him later. Twitter's really funny. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's happening on Twitter today, John? No, I mean, your Twitter. That's what oh. I, yeah. <laughs> no, no, nothing about, uh, nothing about Twitter is funny ever. Uh, definitely not funny right now. <laughs> the nightmare machine. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, it's all like horrible things that you find just like terrible, terrifying things that you find out two weeks later weren't true. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you get so stressed out about. But it's nice that I can like tweet at people like you and uh, get you on the show. Totally. Yeah, that, <laughs> you no, know, that's the that's one of the good things about it. Yeah, you, you do have like access to... Uh, to, to people. 
So uh, you like uh, Bring Back Ska? Or... <laughs> yeah, let's talk, let's talk about Bring Back Ska. Okay. Yeah. Um, the beginning. Okay, are you referencing Ska number, I'm Ska number three, Song Number Three by Skank and Pickle? We, wait, wait, in the beginning? Yeah, the very, the do-do-do-do-do-do, da-da-da-da, that part. Um, there are two songs that we ripped off. The horn riff is from a real big fish song. Okay. And, and then I think that is the skank and pickle song, but I can't, I think you guys think that I know more about ska than I do. <laughs> hey, that's fine. But I only know as much to, like, I know enough to make fun of it, but that's not, <laughs> that's not a deep understanding. But my girlfriend was in a ska band when she was in high school. and. Um, she's like deeply into ska she was deeply into ska i when i was a kid like my brothers listened to operation ivy but i feel like yeah and like op ivy's really good what what kind of stuff are you guys interested in this might be a short interview i don't know <laughs> <laughs> uh, skank and pickle was a big band for me um that was my introduction to ska uh we're, we're up in uh, northern california so that was a big band for me and then uh Oh, wait, Skank and Pickle, what's their, who's their lead singer? Uh, Mike Park. Mike Park, okay. He runs Asian Man Records. Now he runs Asian Man Records. Okay, Mike yeah. Park. So they broke up just before Ska got really big. And then he started Asian Man Records. And oh no, he had some, some bands like uh, uh, the Bruce Lee band and the Chinkies that he was doing during that time period. The Chinkies, interesting. Okay. Yeah, all cool. Asian band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah. Skank and Pickle. I think the name, not that, not to take Mike, Mike Park seems like a generally impressive person, um, but the name Skank and Pickle, just it's rough, right? It's rough. <laughs> well, you know, it's like one of those things where sometimes when you start a band, you don't think you're starting a real band. You think you're just goofing off with your friends. So you come up with the name. And oh, yeah. And you go like, oh, here's a fun name. And you don't think like six years later, you're going to be headlining clubs and people are 20 years later going to be talking about your band. Right. So. <laughs> that means that the dumb name you gave your band totally worked. So you can be happy about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I called my record Ding Dong Delicious. It's not, you know, it's a, it's a pretty ridiculous name. So what was your girlfriend's ska band? Um, It was... Um, I've heard the music that they made. It's, I don't think, I don't think that she's proud of it. So I can't, <laughs> you don't want to divulge that information. I think it's a, like a lot of ska bands. It was a, it was a thing where she was in band and like ska bands, like in high school were a way for like nerds to be in band because you could, you could play trombone or sax like me and be in the school band. And I remember like, but I, I, I stopped playing. Um, I stopped playing. I was never in a ska band. I was never really in a band. I just did started acting and doing comedy and stuff. But, but now I've portrayed a ska musician on yeah. a, uh, on a show called those who can't at one point, this was like five years ago. Yeah. Let me, tr let me try Let me see if I can do, I'm going to try one of your lines. Okay. Yeah, please. Okay. Please. 
No scandu, scabalero. A ska band without a dancing guy. It's like a wallet without a chain. Useless. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Yeah, that was real. Those guys, the Grolix guys, they're very funny. Did they cast you in this character or did you come to the table with this character? No, they cast me as that and I kind of figured it out. And I have always, like, I feel like there was a period of like two years probably where like, me and high school friend, like I had high school friends and all we would do, the only jokes we would really tell is like, what if it was F. Scott Fitzgerald? And like, <laughs> like what if it's, uh, you know, uh, Scarabiner or whatever. And, uh, and I still think that that's funny. So getting the opportunity to just unload ska puns was a beautiful experience. And then I got to pretend I was the lead singer of a ska band for the day. And I got to like lead a band and the band that I had happened to be the Aquabats. Yeah. And I, and that was amazing. And they're just brilliant musicians and nice people. And um, so I had to learn one. So I, I learned one of their songs and played it live and danced around on stage to a crowd. And it was all fake for TV, but it made me realize that why people are in ska bands, because it's the funnest music. It's so fun. And having a horn section and all this stuff hit around you is just so satisfying and amazing. And it's just so, so much fun. It's, it's, it's so fun for the purveyor of the ska music. It's not necessarily always fun for the listener though. I do, I do like, I do like, I'm not, I'm not dissing ska. I, 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 I total respect, but it, I have total respect, but it is, it's kind of a made fun. How do you grapple with the fact that it's kind of a, it's a made fun of thing? Well, I think like the way we, we, we kind of, like I wrote a book defending ska and then we have this podcast. I, for me, it's about giving the context of ska, like the, the kind of ska that was very popular is only one piece of the puzzle. Right. And sure. Like ska generally has a happy feeling to it, but a lot of ska has serious lyrics. Um, there's a lot of history to ska and, and current culture around ska that is like very, very interesting and very, an important part of culture in general. So I think our goal is to sort of look at the larger picture of ska and like say that just the, the, the goofy stuff that like your average person knows about isn't the full story. Right. Totally. That's kind of, that's kind of our viewpoint, but we appreciate you know, turning on those who can't and seeing Scott uh, <laughs> yeah. say, uh, talk about calling his Scott Turney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Scott Turney. Scott Turney is the most toothless name for a Scott band. <laughs> We're Scott Turneys. But uh, yeah. And then you had a song, uh, uh, th uh, third trimester Scabortion. Oh my God. Jesus. Wow. That's a terror. That's just, wow. It's rough, rough stuff. I would like to hope that um, Scott Affirmative Action are uh, pro-choice, that it's a pro-choice song. What do you think? Um, who knows with the politics of some Scott musicians, but um, <laughs> it's kind of up for debate. It kind of, Scott definitely has like a, a right-wing contingent, um, but it's, uh, maybe it does, maybe I'm wrong, I don't know. But it seems like there's a little bit of, there's some, there's some nastiness that's gone on throughout the years, um, but, uh, like oi ska and stuff like that is that is that fair to say um i so you're talking about sort of the history of skinheads 
And uh, that, that's why are, why are skinheads so ska? Like, why are they associated? Because because of like 70s London, right? Basically. So, yeah. So skinheads were initially a subculture of white working class kids that really liked Jamaican music and, right. and the fashion. And so they would dress that way. They listened to that music. And then in the 70s, you get into this period of time where uh, the National Front and these racist political organizations are trying to pull in the working class white. It's very similar to what happened in the Trump era in the U.S. Yeah. They say, like, the people that are... Um, and the Reagan era. Yeah. Yeah. The, the people that are stealing your jobs and ruining your life are the your neighbors, the, the Black immigrants. So, you know, kind of riling them up against them instead of the, the powers that be. And so you see some skinheads go in that direction. And then some skinheads are like, no, this uh, ska and skinhead culture is about unity. It's about this music. And so they kind of have been fighting it out ever since. You have like anti-racist skinheads and then you have racist skinheads and they're sort of like duking it out to be like, just to say who's the real skinhead. I've got some uh, advice for the anti-racist skinheads. Let's hear it. Eliminate the skinhead part of what you are. <laughs> You're onto something. Be anti-racist. Don't wear the fashion because you just look like, it's like, hey, I'm an anti-racist Nazi. Sure, I have the brown <laughs> shirt of a Nazi and the jackboots of a Nazi. And sure, I wear a Nazi motorcycle helmet with a skull on it. <laughs> But here's the thing about me. I'm not, I don't do their like politics, their racism stuff. Yeah, I've met those, I've met skinheads in New York City that were sharp, like they were hanging out with my friends and yeah. they were like, no, we're sharps, man. We just like the, but there's, there's, I don't know, they're the skinheads against racial prejudice people. Maybe just take the skinhead part of it off because it's just, if you have to like explain yourself, then it's like, yeah, it's like, it's like doing an ironic Zeke Heil. It's still a Zeke Heil. I guess their argument would be that that they were skinheads first and that the racists co-opted it. But I do see your point in the sense that to your average person that doesn't know all this complex history, they don't understand all that. And they're just like, why? Like, what's going on? Yeah. So that that's the part that's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Like to any... To any minority, for example, to any single one, <laughs> they may take it. I don't know. Hey, look, maybe they'll know the history, but maybe, but maybe you should stop doing it. Uh, but, but I think they will after they turn a certain age. Like, I think it's definitely like, it's like, yeah, we dread, like we get the braces and the boots. I mean, I guess it's a tight look and that's what they're doing it. It's like a good sure, look tough. They're like, you look tough. You got braces with a t-shirt you got the brute the boots with the and the and the thing is yeah it's like you see someone in the street and you're like wait why did you think i was racist look at my um look at the my my shoelaces don't you get it you <laughs> idiot look at my look at my the the the, the shoelaces on my uh steel-toed doc martens they are uh blue not white so jokes on you you thought i was racist <laughs> Damn, I just like to get into fights. <laughs> Any chance that Scott will come back as a skinhead? Any chance that Scott will come back? Yeah, I think Scott was pretty borderline. He was definitely a laissez-faire kind of libertarian. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> because, I mean, 
just the reminder that uh, the 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 song was called uh, "Late Term Scabortion." Um, <laughs> you know, there's 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 a lot there's a lot of uh, you know there's there's some saltiness in there, um, but uh, but I, I would hope that Scott would see the light and just be a sharp. <laughs> <laughs> so be one of these cool skinheads that's not prejudiced one of the yeah. really cool skinheads <laughs> um but just love the fashion hey we love the fat they're probably like always like hey i love the fashion that's probably their thing yeah yeah so good, good fortunate for me uh, i've always just worn a t-shirt and shorts i've never liked fashion ever yeah so i'm not enticed by it right because i don't i don't even know how to match my clothes See, I'm all about fashion. I'm all about the Met Ball. I, I, I'm all about you know Vogue and stuff like that. Yeah. Now you look, you look pretty slick on your Ding Dong Delicious album cover. Well, yeah. Well, that's because I found a um, a little a, like a, it's like for an 80 year old woman. Like it's like a beach outfit for, or it's like the outfit you wear after you've been at the beach all day to go to dinner with your friends if you live on you know, if you're, if you're summering or something like that, but it's like a semi-military kind of like weird, like one piece white suit that I've gotten so much mileage out of, like by, for wearing it for, now it's on my album cover. Um, but yeah, it was just an impulse buy at a Long Island thrift store. And it's like from a dead 85 year old woman. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's been repurposed for my album cover where I am in the ocean with my saxophone. I ruined a saxophone doing that, but it was a bad saxophone. So that's yeah, okay. it was it was a needed sacrifice. Yeah, exactly. And so it's it's a full piece. It's it's pants and a and a top. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a one piece that you just kind of like throw your whole body into. <laughs> if you need to, if you need to like uh, go to the bathroom, it's a real pain in the ass. Um, but you have to take it like all the way off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> take it all the way off and all the way down. <laughs> and, you know, it was at one point it was used by an old Betty for, you know, going to going to like early bird dinners. And now it's ding dong delicious, baby. Why no captain's hat? Um, I think it's played. <laughs> I think captain's hats are played. Okay, fair enough. I'll agree. Uh, there was a guy in um, LA that like would wear a captain's hat around. And I remember being like, I think that guy's a rapist. And <laughs> I and what tipped me off about that was the captain's hat. Mm. And then he turned out to be, I don't look, I don't know if he's a rapist. I'm not the one to say, but he's just, he's not the best guy. And he just, he would wear a captain's hat to bars and stuff and parties. And you'd be like, oh, I guess you're trying to be the person with the captain's hat. I uh, hope that goes well for you. And then it turned out to not go well. Okay, so the sax, you ruined the sax. It's a crappy sax. Do you actually play an alto for real or do you play a tenor? No, I play an alto. I Okay. Um, tenor saxes sound better than altos. Sure. You can make an alto sound pretty damn good and they are transportable easily. And yeah. tenor saxes are just, they're not... You know, it's not as big as a baritone sax, obviously, but it's pretty fucking big. And they they do sound so good, but you just can't taking a tenor sax on a plane is like one step way more of a pain in the ass than taking an alto sax. So sure. that's really the thing. And then also having it around your neck as you sing, because I do sing and then I'd play sax solos. 
Mm-hmm. And, and that it's just so much easier to just flip up the, the alto and you have to kind of like, but I am on in the market for a tenor sax. I'm trying to buy an, a new tenor sax. I had one for a while, but it was deeply shitty and used and <laughs> the pads came off and it turned out to be like so expensive to fix that I just bought. Right. Yeah. So if you, so if you're out there listening and you're in the market to sell a tenor saxophone, yeah, get it, get it, John. Or if you're Kenny G, you know, I did this video with Kenny G and uh, um, years ago, and, you know, we played sax together and he gave me a soprano, he, he gave me a soprano sax for the day, but he didn't give me like a sax. Like he should have, my thing was, he should have given me a sax at the end of the day. Yeah. He has yeah. his own line of saxophones. It's not like it's like hitting them in the pocket, you know, for he's sure. Got, Kenny G saxophones. And so I want to, I want to say that I was a little bit let down that Kenny didn't give me a sax at the end of the shooting day. He should have. I I've never been like um, into his music, but I watched that HBO documentary on him and uh, definitely I was uh, amazed at just what a workhorse and how ambitious he is and the, the amount of practicing that he does still, even at like to this day. Yeah. we, we started our shoot day at like 7 a.m. and he had already been up and practiced for three hours. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that like, yeah, that, that was just a really well-made documentary. I forget the name of the woman who made that documentary, but she's really just did a fantastic job. But um, uh, Kenny, I, I love the part where they're just, he, she's like, so what do you love about music? And he's like, I just don't know if I love music. I love <laughs> What I love is practicing. He loves practicing. And I know what he's talking about because if you play a sax for like an hour and you just feel good, it makes you feel centered. And it's almost like it is meditation. It's essentially meditation. It's putting your, you know, it's, it's like, it does, it does make you feel very centered to play whatever woodwind instruments it makes you connected to your breath and all this different stuff so i know what he's saying when he's like i just like practicing it's like a meditation and but i think he likes just making money you know he's very like sure business and you know he's kind of like machine washed his reputation and now he's playing with the weekend at the super bowl like he's done a really good job like very impressive dude um and uh we shot at his his uh malibu home and i don't know if you know this but he's one of the first five investors in starbucks yeah i learned that from the documentary yeah oh right the that's in the documentary of course and like yeah and so being at his house you're just like oh wow the house that starbucks built and it's just this amazing his, <laughs> his closest neighbor is barbara streisand it's just like wow. got to stay in life Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, 
How do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. We'll be right back after this. So let me ask you, is No Doubt Ska? No Doubt started out as a Ska band in the 80s. Uh, they were just a straight-up ska band. And then by the time they released Tragic Kingdom, um, I would say there's not really any ska in Tragic Kingdom. However, they had a history of being a ska band. They look like a ska band. So, And then ska's coming up at the same time. So everyone's just like, right. ska's getting big. Bands like Real Big Fish, No Doubt, Sublime. So I would say that's more their thing. Right. How about... Were you guys into Sublime when it came out? I couldn't, I think I just, it came out in like the late nineties, right? Mid nineties. Yeah. Mid nineties. Yeah. But they were, they got really popular by the late nineties, I think. So uh, my feelings about Sublime, I was kind of not that into it at the time, but I've definitely have, I've like gone back and I've learned to appreciate them. I don't think that his, he was a great lyricist. There was a little, definitely a douchey element to the band, but well, he had a song called "I Like to Rape Girls," right? Yeah, but <laughs> no, not exactly, but definitely That's not douchey element. This is a little bit of a douchey element. <laughs> he he's a good songwriter and a good singer. I will say that about Sublime, but there's definitely cringy elements to the band. Right, right. Uh, that that's that's never been a band that I've been super into. Let's just say that there's been the argument made also that it, had he not overdose that they would have just ruined their own legacy anyways like they weren't great live was because they were all fucked up right they were like idiots they they blew up after he died and i think the story of him ODing on heroin after a show like sort of gave them a mystique that helped Mm -hmm. that yeah well i heard the bass player and the drummer conspired to give him the heroin they gave him a hot shot yeah Wow, they were like, let's kill this guy so we can keep reigning as, you know, anyway. That's too- <laughs> <laughs> I meant that to be funny, but it's just too dark. Douchebags. So forget about it. I said me saying that. So um, I was actually, I was supposed to go see Sublime in high school, um, but I had, yeah. got, had gotten grounded for going sneaking out to see Skank and Pickle. <laughs> and uh, Jesus, wow, you got a ska, you're, you're full ska. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I, so I asked one of my friends the next day, I was like, how was the show? And, and they hadn't played, of course, because he had OD the night before. Damn, that sucks. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, how about um, Save Ferris? They're Scott, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. They're all right. Are they good? They're, they're a fine band, not like a band I'm super into. Did you ever see them, John? That's the worst name. It's, it's just the worst. You can't get lower. You think Skank and Pickle's bad. <laughs> oh my god. At least see, at least with Skank and Pickle, you got a you got a you got an amazing logo. You got a dancing pickle. How are you gonna beat that, right? Yeah, I guess I shouldn't hate on Skank and Pickle. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's a goofball thing, but like whatever. It's not cherry pop and daddies. Yeah. But every time I just think of blood and underwear. I'm like, oh, oh, the band that makes me think of blood inside underwear. Great. The Skank and Pickle, it's funny because Skank and Pickle, as they progressed, they wrote more and more serious and political songs. Um, but they still <laughs> called Skank and Pickle, right? <laughs> wow. Skank and Pickle, man. Yeah. This is about, yeah. Fuck George H.W. <laughs> Bush. 
What about, so you mentioned Buck 09 in your song. Did you have experience with them? Like, uh, did you, were you a fan of them or aware of them, I guess? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, I just, um, I definitely was aware of Sublime and I know I could sing a bunch of Sublime songs probably. Buck 09 rhymes with Sublime. And oh, that's, okay. far as I, that's really as far as I took it. And I think that their name is super ska, like, cause it's like, <laughs> or something. How about the lost my leg guy? I lost my leg. Is that ska? What is that? I don't even know what that is. I'm a turkey. I lost my leg. <laughs> it's um departed soundtrack. It's like the movie The Departed. It's like, it's like I lost my leg. I'm headed up to Boston. That song? Do you not know that? I don't know. I don't know. It must not be ska. Yeah, if I don't know it. I know the boss tones hits. You know, I like the sure. boss tones. Um, I like, I'm told that Operation Ivy is something that I should pretend to like. Uh, <laughs> I, um, and that they're cool. And I have, no, I, I, I've heard a lot of Operation Ivy. Um, and my brothers were into it. I think growing up, I kind of missed it. But I, uh, but Operation Ivy, I, pre- I do pretend I couldn't name a song, but I I pretend to like them because they're apparently they've got the cred, and so they gave me the cred that I so you wanted that cred. I read that uh, you uh, your older siblings, as you said, were into punk rock, but that scared you that you were kind of scared of punk rock. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I talked about that on my friend Damien's podcast. Turned out a punk that yeah yeah. I mean, they were into punk really early like when they were 12 and so i was like seven and so it scared me yeah because i was seven years old and i remember seeing the uh yeah i remember seeing um another state of mind which is a a punk a early 80s documentary about punk and um i was like seven or eight when i saw it and i was like these people are going to go to hell like (laughs) i was still I believed in Santa Claus at the point, at that point, you know, like, so sure. <laughs> it was definitely like, these people are against Jesus, you know? <laughs> so it was very scary for me. And I think it, 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 um, but yeah, once I got to high school, I was, I was, uh, I was definitely at least a poser. So mm-hmm. there, there is a line in uh, bring back Scott where you mentioned something about, uh, guys playing in the nude, right? And so I want to know what shows you went to after, after hearing that line, I wanted to know what shows you went to then. Oh, um, I think that's just a general reference to like, that's what you have to do to get big as a band in your neighborhood. It's just like, you play this, dude, they played a show in the new, they're fucking legends. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> and that was definitely a thing though, back yeah, for then. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well that's the chili peppers were definitely, I mean, they're not ska. They're like, you know, they're punk funk maestros. So they're, um, they're not, they're not it, but they were definitely like, oh, they play shows where all they wear is like cock socks and stuff. And so like, I imagine sublime, there was a ska thing of like playing a show in the nude, but wait, what? But now I'm like, was that Blink-182? Oh, like, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like the thing to do. Don't I don't think any of my lyrics are based on any knowledge, except for like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, except for a couple things. 
Well, what, what um, inspired you to write it? I just think it'd be so funny to have this thing that's like, hey, let's bring back ska. (laughs) (laughs) Like a ska song that is like, um, that's just like a, uh, because there was a ska cruise, I think, at some point. I think that might have had something to do with it. I saw this thing. I was like, ska cruise. And it's like all these old ska bands, you know? And I was like, oh, that's so funny. It's like, they're bringing back ska. They're trying to bring back ska through cruises. And then I was like, oh, it'd be funny if they just had an anthem that was like a ska anthem called bring back ska. And, um, and now I think ska musicians think it's legit. So that's cool. You know, I've had people from, from bands go like, I love bring back ska, let's bring it back and stuff. And, you know, I don't know, you know, I think it's, People think it's problematic, I guess. I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily. I don't who who cares? I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. What would you rather bring back? Ska or new metal? Oh, ska, definitely. Okay. Though I think you have a lot in common. I think <laughs> new metal, I would rather listen to a ska band because I think like new metal was the the genre that Rage Against the Machine really spawned. I feel like Rage Against the Machine spawned all this stuff that's like yeah like you know like rap rock and like new metal yeah what's the most new metal new metal band i'd say limp biscuit yeah <laughs> limp biscuit yeah just trash that wouldn't have happened without without rage they were like sublime they're like all our songs are about taking advantage of you know underage girls <laughs> Yeah, there, there was this whole thing, like, was it last year or the year before, where suddenly everyone's like, hey, Limp Bizkit were, uh, they were a pretty good band, actually. Like, and it's like, what are you guys talking about? They were not a good band. Yeah, no, they were not. They were never good. It's all revisionist history because the Woodstock doc came out or something. And people yeah. have, it's all nostalgia. I think, like, when I moved to New York, I was, I just, there was a pop culture desert when it comes to, like, the really popular stuff because I was just trying to get into like underground music in New York city and going to like weird shows and seeing other bands. So I, I kind of missed the whole rap rock thing. Cause I, I, I don't know, like, but I remember when Woodstock 99 happened and everything and seeing the documentary, I was like, Oh, wow. Wow. This was music. This was the biggest music for a while. And I completely yeah missed it. And all these bands make, make red hot chili peppers look like fucking Led Zeppelin. <laughs> I would like to point out that in Woodstock 99, if you watch that documentary and see what a horrible atmosphere that was. Yeah. Not a single ska band on that bill. Oh, is that right? There's mm. not a single ska band. So just would like to point that out. Now, is that because the ska wave had, had been that, over? That was, that was just, that was right when ska suddenly became like uncool. Why did it become uncool? You know what? Oh, uh, that's that's a complicated question, but I will say the long and short of it is that it got cool, got quote unquote cool really fast and in a really sort of artificial way. And so anything that sort of shoots up and gets launched in the 90s in particular to like MTV and they're like saying, this is what it is. This is this is the music. We're defining it for you like that. Just that just goes out of style within a year. Yes, that's what happens. Right. But the ska subculture had been around the U.S. for like 16 years before that. 
Yeah, in the 80s, it was like everywhere, right? Like the late 80s, maybe. And then yeah, well, it was in the underground, you know, we had you had like, you know, Fishbone and yeah, untouched untouchables and all kinds of really cool bands in the US. Like Fishbone yeah. is a cool band. They're like, yeah, amazing. They're like, if the Red Hot Chili Peppers were were Led Zepp. I mean, I love the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> By the way, I'm like, dissing the Red Hot Chili Peppers, I fucking, you know, they're one of my favorite bands for a large part of my life. Um, I remember because I was a huge Fishbone fan. And I remember there was this point in like 1990 where um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, when they kind of got, when they went from being underground band to being like a big band, where it was all this talk about who's going to blow up? Is it going to be Fishbone or Red Hot Chili Peppers? And I never understood why the two bands were constantly being compared. Um yeah. But anyways, it was it was Red Hot Chili Peppers that blew up and not Fishbone, unfortunately. I wonder why. Anything to do with race? <laughs> <laughs> I think the race was definitely an element, but I also think they were um, they're a very weird band. I mean, yeah. they would write like I mean, not only were they doing ska in the '80s, but they there suddenly were coming out with all this weird alt rock stuff that was, and they were talking about um, what it, like the black experience in alt rock in, in the early '90s. That's just like. I don't yeah. think the audience was for that. It's just not a recipe for popularity. It's like what they should do. And they're real artists probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, they're just, they're going to do what they're going to do. That's what that band's about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were always fucking wild. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I think that here's where Ska jumped the shark And it's a movie. I actually like in a lot of ways, swingers, like, Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with ska. I don't think they say the word ska in swingers. But that was it, like the swing revival. That was but kind it was of the swing, revival. swing revival. And I think that's when people were like, I'm done with ska. The, people definitely lump those two genres together, even though they're not really related. Well, they're related. Here's why they're related. People wear fucking bowling shirts. In both <laughs> so, like it became cool for like men to wear like Tommy Bahama, fat guy, Sure. Like bowling yeah. shirts and like two-tone shirts and like swinging shoes and i think it was like a mainly la thing or whatever but like you know like swingers was the top of like it was like oh the movie world is co-opted like kind of this scott adjacent thing that's very like white guy and i don't know seems like really i don't know kind of whack yeah, I, I think that anything that gets launched to that degree of mainstream popularity, it loses something. It's just yeah. it's just the way it is. Fun fact, fun fact about that movie though, Alex, Alex Desert Desert, he's uh the singer for the band Hepcat. Yeah. He's an, he's an actor. I don't know if you know him. He was in that movie. Oh, nice. Do you know him or do you know the band Hepcat? I don't know him. Alex Desert? That's a cool Yeah. Hepcat. I'm looking it up now. He was in the show. Uh, what's that Ted Danson show? Be- Beaker. Oh, Becker. Becker. Yeah, sorry. Beaker. What if uh, what if Ted Danson <laughs> did Beaker from the? Meaning, meaning, meaning. Alex was like the. Uh, it was like a supporting character in that show. And then what was his band called? The Hepcats. It's just called Hepcat. They're uh, one of the best ska bands from the '90s. You should look them up. They're more traditional, like more rooted in '60s ska. Oh, nice. Soulful, very soulful. It's not like there's no punk or pop punk elements to that at all. No bowling That's shirts. Cool. No bowling like shirts. That. They were like actually a legitimately cool band. They were stylish, but in, in a way where it wasn't like cornball. 
Right. They sound cool. But yeah, there was a period of time where people would like call each other. He's a real hep cat or whatever. (laughs) And that was, I think, people reacting against that as they should. It's it's weird. It's a weird retro thing. Sure. It seemed like somebody was trying to make something happen and it happened for a while. And but what do you think? Do you think a ska? Because here's what I was discussing the other day with my friend um, who is in a ska band. Who is your friend, if, if we may hear? Um, I, I wouldn't say he's my friend. He's a friend of a friend that is in a ska band, and I was talking to him, and I insulted him. Um, so I, <laughs> because he had seen me live, and he did, he had seen me live, and I, I made a mistake, a social mistake, which I've been known to make. And um, I, he had seen me live, and he goes, oh, dude, I love Bring Back Ska. And I was like, I was like, oh, cool, yeah. And I... And I went, yeah, and it's cool that like, you know, I don't think ska, I said, I don't think ska is coming back. I mean, I said, I think ska is coming back, actually, not in the form of really good bands yet, but in the form of like people are talking about. And I think that that I I think that holds true because all there needs to be is some guys who care and are really good. And they there needs to be a band that's good and ska will come back. That's all it takes, you know, because there needs to be a renewed interest in like young people doing ska and not having it be like a revival. Yeah. It ha- it's, it can't just be like uh, the 45 year olds that were popular in nineties. That's not, exactly. that's not the genre coming back. That's just the genre, the bands continuing to have a career and with their audience following them. Yeah, exactly. There are, there are young bands. Uh, they're not mainstream, but they are. There's a, there's definitely a revival in the underground level. There is. Okay, cool. It feels like, yeah, it feels ripe for that. It feels like good timing for that, you know? There's a couple, you know, there's a lot of really good bands, but I mean, there's like the bands I would, if you're interested, you know, I would check out a band called Cat Bite from Philadelphia. Cat Bite? Yeah, a band called Bad Operation from New Orleans. Nice. And uh, we're the union. Bad Operation Ivy. We're like Operation Bad Operation. (laughs) They definitely are (laughs) referencing Opera Ivy, but yeah, they're, they're more of a like specials, like, sounding ska band are the specials the best ska band of all time well i mean i guess that's discounting like desmond decker being ska, a bunch of like older yeah i mean i i have to say scottalites are the you know the the pioneers like i can't like not say the scottalites but the specials and the selector from the two-tone era are probably my two favorites and so the two-tone era is the like early 80s late 70s kind of thing yeah, yeah. Spe- the specials, the selector, the beat, or we called them the English beat in the U.S. because there was a English beat. Yes, there was a there's an American band at the time called the Beat. Also, right. So they had to distinguish one another. And then so Madness is amazing. Madness is great. And then uh, there was also a band called the Body Snatchers, all 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 woman ska band. And then Bad Manners. They were kind of the goofiest of the of all. There right buster do you know that band buster blood vessel he was like a really large man um skinhead actually he had a gigantic tongue that he would com- often show the audience that's what we need we need a scobble <laughs> with personality one guy's fat and he's got a big giant tongue yeah see <laughs> know him and then they've got that tune you know it's so catchy we just need you need the stars to 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 hit and then all the smaller bands <laughs> rise and then it's a ska revolution again but the specials are the band that like, oh, I, I like, that's a great period, a great band period. Like they're just yeah. amazing. Yeah. Every time, 
I hear them, I'm like, oh, wow, what a great, what a great thing. Um, Those bands I, managed to be top 40 in England and also remain pretty fervently political. Yes. Um, they were never popular here in the U.S., though, but they were very, very popular in England. Yeah, the U.S. is not as cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not as cool as England um, in some ways. So, you, so when, you were a, when you were a kid and your older brothers were listening to punk, which scared you, what kind of music did you actually like? Oh, you know, Jimmy Buffett, Billy Joel, Led Zeppelin. Um, I liked classic rock radio. I was like listening to Blue Oyster Cult. I was like listening to the best of Bob Dylan, Simon and Garfunkel, like the American songbook kind of guys. I got really into like, yeah, like Billy Joel deep cuts. I mean, like Billy Joel is a, is a, is a beast. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing. He's a fucking machine. The stranger. We should be talking about the stranger the way we talk about Beatles records. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Billy Joel's just like, sense of grievance with his the kids that thought they were cool in high school just <laughs> produced so much almost good music <laughs> but yeah i remember being like i mean i eventually got into like good music but yeah definitely before that like yeah billy joel i was like yeah and, and then like the great american song i remember i wrote a paper about um simon and garfunkel song america mm. and i got an a because i analyzed it right and uh i don't know yeah what else was i into i love the peppers from an early age like some of the punk stuff i got into um i got into like the misfits because i realized that they were like like but then danzig solo scared me like the misfits were funny because they did they were like partly like funny, you know, like I liked anything that was funny, basically, I think. And I loved mm -hmm. the show. I loved comedy. That was like, I loved like the young ones. I don't know if you know the young ones. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Madness yeah. were uh, on that show once. Yeah. Madness were on the young ones. Yeah. Um, and um, so that's how I, I think the first ska song I heard was madness, our house in the middle of the street. And I didn't even uh, our house. Mm -hmm. which they play on the young ones and i didn't know it was scar or anything i was just like oh this is a weird band but they're they're weird even in the world of sky i think madness is weird they're like weirdos they're like the talking heads of scar or something yeah they like um they take some of these some of their reference points aside from scar are very uniquely british like um like ian dury i think is an influence to them do you know ian dury yeah he had that buzz fly song buzz 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 or no no he's like he's like this right he's yeah dirty. hit me with yeah. your rhythm stick yeah it's just very yeah. like weird stories about every weird everyday british people's type of songwriting and, and madness definitely took that style on like their their lyrics are a lot of these little strange stories about these kooky characters they grew up with yeah yeah um, yeah, they're, they're cool. Good style. In Defense of Ska will return in a moment. Hey everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how'd people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. 
Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. So you mentioned the Chili Peppers. Uh, I want to ask you about your um, song that you did in 2014. Yeah. Abracadabra. Dabra for fornication. I'm not sure if I'm saying it. Abracadabra, California. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah. Okay. So when you released the song, like I know there was a period of time where people thought maybe it was a real Red Hot Chili Pepper song. Yes. Did you do that on purpose? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, first I had the idea for the song and me and my friend Cyrus Garamani, who made the song with me, um, is, uh, you know, we were just like, doing the this uh podcast called building the track and we would like build a song with each other and we were like playing around with some chili pepper stuff and we we came up with like bing a bong burbank and that stuff and like <laughs> it was this like hyper hyper localized california thing like uh burbank and glendale like which are neighborhoods that are right next to each other and um like yeah so it became kind of like it evolved from that and then when we found out they were playing the Super Bowl, we actually we actually revisited the song, added the raps, and we were kind of like at the end. I was like, "Oh man, by the end of this, I can do a pretty serviceable Kitas impression." <laughs> and then we were like, "This is like a real red. This is very sounds like it could be a new song that is like almost like out of nowhere sounds like the Peppers." And so we made that fake website and dropped it as if it was a real dropped it as a free download anyone could get the download and then it just so happened that it got picked up by yahoo music as real <laughs> and they put it out and they were like what are the red hot chili peppers thinking what are they doing another song that's just california rhymes what are we being subjected to what's the end goal of this you know <laughs> Totally thought it was real and commented on it as if it was real. And it was so funny. And that's, yeah, that's just kind of how it happened. At one point, did you go, okay, guys, it's me. Uh, it was a joke. Yeah, I think I did that too soon, though. I should have, like, played it out. But I did it the day of because I wanted the clout. Yeah, you wanted to, it's like, I did, it was me. Because I didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't know it would get any attention. And so I kind of was like, I waited a little bit, but then I was like, all right, it was me. Hey, everybody look at me. Um, which is Daly's, they call it Daly's Folly. Um, but uh, yeah, I got greedy for internet clout, which is always really great. What, what, what do you think about Anthony Kiedis's acting chops? His acting chops? In, in, in what movie? Point Break. Point Break, he's got too small of a role to really clock his acting chops. I think Flea does a really good job in um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, mm -hmm. um, which Flea's like a good actor and like looks insane on camera. So I think he could, he's more of like a, a movie, like could be in, in movie, like he's a character actor already. And Kiedis, I've seen some of his child acting stuff. Yeah, me too. I saw like an after school special. Yeah, where he's in a classroom and he's like, you got to stop bullying or whatever. <laughs> got to say no to cocaine or heroin. <laughs> Don't do heroin and end up under a bridge. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think he's, I think he was like an actor and like his dad was an actor, Blackie 
Blackie Dammit was his dad's name. And his dad was like a character actor. He's in, in some seventies movies. And um, I think because of that, like he just got into acting. Um, he's, you know, he's not a great actor, but I think Flea is really the true actor of the bunch. Yeah. There was um, the, the one Flea thing that uh, popped up that surprised me with, there was like an eighties, um, it was like a, a documentary on a jazz musician. And I'm blanking on the name. I think he was a horn player. He was a white jazz musician. Oh, and, and, and I often hope like if I remember it, I'll say it. But there's like a whole scene where he's on the beach and like Flea is there for some reason. Right. Does that ring a bell? Did you see this? No, but like Flea is like super into like all these different kinds of fucking crazy jazz. I know that he's extraordinary. He's like super deep into Ornette Coleman flea, but he's not a white guy. Uh, yeah, I'm not, I haven't seen that, but yeah, I'm not surprised. Like he's like, yeah, fleas. It's crazy. Cause like, you know, the music they make is, you know, it's like pop music and, but they're super brilliant musicians. I just read uh fleas book on tape acid for the children. And it's awesome. I mean, they're, they're fucking good like cool dudes you know um and part of me's like oh you can make it's easy to make fun of them but part of it's also like well they just tried something and it took off it's like the black keys you know like mm-hmm. everyone knows they suck but it's also <laughs> it's also two guys from ohio who made it and why hate on that kind of thing <laughs> you know i want to ask you about uh so cyrus garmani um yeah he plays with the band man man um, yes yes who's a band i i love i, th- I think that there's such a great band yeah i the was band. reading an interview that honus honus did and he said that he met cyrus through you he did yeah um i've known uh ryan for years and kind of like he's really into comedy and i liked his band basically and um yeah, so we we kind of met through like different people in comedy, maybe through Charlene Yee, weirdly, I think back in the day, uh, they were good friends. And uh, and then Nick Thorburn, my buddy, was in a band uh, called Mr. Heavenly. Yeah, that was a side band that, uh, they, yeah. Um, with Joe Plummer and Michael Sarah, And they, uh, so I kind of knew, knew those guys. And yeah, and then I, I, uh, I knew Cyrus and we started working together on different stuff first, like podcast stuff and then music. And, uh, I introduced, yeah, I think I introduced them and Cyrus is a genius, a musical genius and, um, like a weird shredder. He's like a super shredder, you know, can kind of play anything. And so he fits right into man, man, cause to be in man, man, you gotta be a shredder. You gotta be good. Yeah. They take some of their songs, like especially some of their older songs, like Feathers, which I think is probably my favorite Madman song. It's almost like like the sea shanty is one of one strain of their influence, but they also take all this other weird experimental stuff and sort of blend it all together. Yeah. It's um very interesting. That's interesting. Sea shanty. Yeah. Is they have a little bit of that sea shanty. It's but it's not done in a corny way, and it's not done like we're doing sea shanties, but it has that kind of that that bounce the sea shanty bounce to some of their songs 
Right. It's a bit of a carnival. To me, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, this this part sounds like a carnival kind of like oompa a bit. Like there's a oompa mm-hmm. element to Man Man that's really fun, but he doesn't like ever stick to that for too long. Um, but yeah, that's 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 Man Man, man. They're fucking, yeah, all different kinds of uh all different kinds of influences. So you did your um a couple days ago, you did your album release show? Yes. Um, and so Cyrus, I assume Cyrus was in your band. What was, who was your band for that show? My band is Cyrus and then Joe Wong, um, who is another musical genius. Um, I know Joe, he was in a band called Parks, Parts and Labor in Brooklyn. And I saw them live and was like, holy shit. And we became friends. And then he, he, he produces two songs on my record. So he produces Whistle Tap Johnny and my Flat Earth song. And then he plays... He's like a brilliant drummer and he just put out a record called night creatures on Decca records, which is amazing. And he, uh, he also does his main job is composing for TV shows. So he does like Russian doll. He does all the cool TV shows basically. And then this guy, Brett Morris, who's another like secret shredder who played with man, man as well. I went on tour with man, man pre pandemic and, and, uh, kind of played with all these guys and that's how I kind of like usurped Uh them my band or whatever uh but this guy Brett Morris who uh works at Earwolf and is uh is on a podcast with Howard Creamer called Who Charted and is just like a fucking ridiculous shred head um but like doesn't seem like one weirdly he's like secretly brilliant and uh he toured with Man Man and so he was like yeah I, I had like the best musicians in the world it was like not I don't deserve this kind of band. They're so good. Were you on the tour when they, um, this was right before the pandemic, I think, or um, they brought Rebecca Black as their opener? No, Rebecca Black filled in for me. Oh, okay. Cause yeah, that they were, I was going to go, but I was so busy because they played um, in my area. And I, uh, but not, I live in Sacramento. It was like, not in Sacramento. It was like, you know, with an hour drive away, but I was like, I can't, I'm too busy. But that was the, missing the Rebecca Black part that was that hurt yeah I mean I was like I was like who's is anyone joining you and they were like Rebecca Black and I was like Rebecca Black from like it's Friday 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 and he was like dude she's fucking cool man (laughs) and then she is yeah yeah Yeah, some people are cool how did your how did your live show go it was incredible I mean yeah great we played played the songs it just it was great yeah did, did so you did uh, bring back ska did bring back ska yep how did it did the audience just erupt into a skank pit well i get people up on stage to skank and oh, yeah. so i'm like i need audience volunteers for bring back ska because i want it to be to turn into a skank pit um and i saw some people dancing but i played it too early in the show people weren't like fully in the way in like in full rock and roll abandonment mode like abandon like it was still it was still like you know when i played it it was like the second or third song because it's like high energy and gets everyone you know wakes everybody up but at the same time um it was a little too early to get a full but i did get some people on stage skanking very well like sometimes you see people skank and they're doing it very well and you're like oops you're a ska guy. 
<laughs> you're like doing it right like i feel like i'm in england in 1980 you're doing skanking very well anyway yeah yeah they, they were just waiting for it they're like play bang back ska john i'm ready to skank i'm ready to show you my skank they want to pick it up pick it up <laughs> has anyone besides me ever quoted your uh anything from those who can't at you no, no, I'm constantly. You're constantly just on the street. People are coming. <laughs> constantly up to you. barraged. I think people on Twitter have gone like Scott, like quoted that uh, third trimester Scott portion thing <laughs> because it's uh, disgusting. But now I'm like, oh god, is that bad to say? But who knows? Who who cares? Who knows? Um, but yeah, no, it's I. Yeah, I'm quoted all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but quotes. Nothing but quotes. Just. You get up, your mentions are just filled with quotes. Yeah, my mentions are constantly blowing up with Scott quotes. <laughs> That's my dream. So do you think, what do you think, what, what do you think um, is the timeline for a real genuine, since it's brewing, a, yeah. a comeback, a Scott, a full like Scott comeback? Well, okay, so a couple things that are different now is that the kind of music that becomes mainstream is very different now than it was in the 90s. So just just uh, the idea of a band blowing up of any genre is a pretty narrow opportunity. Like you don't really hear very very many like even rock and roll bands becoming top 40 these days. Right. True. So that's true. that's a challenge. But I think that um ska being in the underground Rodrigo. Yeah, I mean I think the idea of ska becoming a mainstream genre is probably not to its benefit anyways. I think that if it stays in a more manageable underground territory and maybe it has organic growth, that would be better. And I think it would become less of a goofy thing or of a parody of itself. Well, like the Boss Tones were the biggest ska band, maybe. Yeah, they had the biggest hit in the 90s. Yeah, um, the impression that I Not get on was... Wood? Or the, the impression? Yeah, that was the only song of those that was like a number one hit, I'm pretty sure. Well, that song is just so good. I think yeah. it's just it's just a matter of that. Yeah, because you're right. Ska shouldn't live in the ultra mainstream. Like it should always be a little bit underground or maybe it maybe it keeps itself underground mm -hmm. or something. I don't know. But uh, but yeah, it's like they were the they were ska and they had a pop sensibility that they put to ska. That could be easily just a rock song, you know, knock wood. Have you heard of this uh, electronic band called 100 Gex? No. Okay, so they're an electronic, weird electronic band. They have been slipping ska into their songs more and more. Ooh. And it's they're very popular with kid, like younger audience. And it's really weird sounding too, because it's like a mix between, I don't know, what would you say, Adam? How would you describe 100 Gex? It's not straight up electronic. It's like auto-tune. Yeah, weird. It's, it gets called hyperpop. It's called right. hyper pop is the, the genre, but there's definitely some obvious Scott elements to them. So hyper pop, I've heard. I've yeah. Heard hyper pop. The kind of Scott they're doing seems like would have the most opportunity to gain an, a large audience in 2022 than say like Ooh. the kind of Scott we're familiar with, where it's like an eight piece band with a horn section. Right. So Hyperpop yeah. sounds like something that Warner Music Group was like, what's a name? What are we doing? <laughs> we got to fucking make a genre. It's hyperpop. What? Who said that? You're promoted. 
<laughs> Ultra Maga. It's from the Ultra Maga guy. <laughs> it's an Ultra Maga. Hey, bring him in. Hyper Pop. We got it. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I think like, is it is it problematic for white people to do ska? No, I, no, it is not because no, I don't. Th I don't think it is. I don't think it is. Ska, but, ska was Jamaican music, but it was it was kind of died and then is revived by the two tone bands. The two tone bands were um, mixed race, like the specials. Yeah, yeah. That that's, that ska would have not ska would have died, or it would have been just an old genre that we think about, like calypso, were it not revived in England by the two tone bands. They sort right. of re recalibrated ska. And it's like kind of a different genre, really, if you think about it, but we call it ska. Well, old, old 60s ska sounds, it's just reggae. I can't tell the difference between dub, ska, and reggae. Well, so yeah, reggae evolved from ska, so they're very similar. It's just right. like they've just altered the groove and the tempo. But ska revival or two-tone ska, that's sort of a new, and that's all the ska that's spread all over the, all over the world is, is sort of primarily rooted from that thread of ska. And that that thread of ska is like right. um, multicultural is tends to be politically leftist and anti-racist. And I think those are the, those are the cultural elements that in my opinion are part of ska, the ska culture. Or should be. Should be. I think most of them are. Politically leftist and anti-racist is always better than politically rightist and racist. <laughs> Definitely. Usually better. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but is, is screwdriver ska no 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 that, that wasn't <laughs> that was an oi that was an oi band yeah they're hardcore is the police speaking of racists is the police ska the sting band the police were they had a few ska songs but they were more of a reggae influenced uh pop band okay yeah. yeah that's the that's the verdict but they do have a couple songs like a canary in a coal mine and uh Man in a suitcase. You live your life like a canary in a coal mine. Those are, okay. those are, that's that's a pretty overt. That's ska. Yeah, yeah ska. Yeah. What, what else you got for me? Damn. You got more questions? <laughs> <laughs> what defines ska? What defines it? The technical definition of ska is the is the drum beat and the bass line. Uh, up, the upbeat is kind of a secondary thing, but it's the bass and the drums are really the defining aspect. Um, the drums, I think, are probably the most important aspect because as the music has evolved and changed and been melded with other styles, that's the most like consistent element that defines the the genre. Yeah. But um, and the the technical way to play ska drums is that you you hit the bass and the snare on the same beat. It's a kind of a backwards way of playing compared to rock and roll. Mm. But, yeah. And then the the bass line walks. And then, right. you know, and then generally has like the, the upbeat. Yeah. And so. then how many horns do you have to have to have a horn section? Two? I mean, I think two or three is standard, but uh, there's some bands that just do like a solo trombone. And I think, and, and the couple, like the English beat had just the saxophone. I think the, the solo trombone does pretty well as a, as a solo horn section. Because it's mm. got there's some force behind the trombone, but yeah, uh, it's explode. You can be explosive with it or mellow with it. Yeah, yeah. But I think you know you probably want two. I think two's good. Two's good. A sax and a trump, trumpet yeah. or trombone. Yeah, That's yeah. Cool. But you know, it's it. Times are tough. Economy is tough. Uh, 
gas prices are up, so you may not be able to take your horn section on tour with you. True. John, how do you feel about ska bands with no horns? Um, I think that's good. You know, it's it, if you can if you can do it, get a horn section is all I'm saying. Like Operation <laughs> Ivy would have benefited from like a five piece horn section. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> 50 year old guys like blasting it uh, <laughs> like you know and um you gotta you gotta wear suspenders you, you know gotta. you're gonna be in a horn section especially like you can have this punk rock aesthetic i guess and look like dirt bags but your your uh your horn section better be natty yeah. look at natty that's adam's adam uh, he's more of a, a punk yeah guy that plays uh, he's got long hair tattoos he looks like an angry biker but he's a wholesome uh, dad shit shit yeah congrats nice. <laughs> thank you john we need more wholesome dads in this country god damn yeah. it. i don't know what i'm talking about so so you, so um you don't want to reveal your uh, your girl or your old girlfriend's ska band but can you tell us a little bit about what they sounded like uh, let's not talk about how much <laughs> I don't think that she would be happy. All right, that's that's totally fine. I've heard the band and she didn't want to play that forced her to play them. So that that gives you okay, some that gives you some in yeah, okay. Someone I was like, no, you will play your high school ska band for me. <laughs> did you start skanking in front of her just to rouse her? Uh, of course I did. I skank gently around my house constantly. I'm just <laughs> that's how I locomote. <laughs> That's definitely a way to start your morning if you want to stay in shape. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually doing some workout tapes called the skank workout. Yeah. And it's skanking for skanks. It's all skanky sluts. And (laughs) (laughs) don't ask me how I tell their slides. It's an honor system thing. I want to ask you something. Um, Please. So uh, some time ago you did a uh, John Daly is John Daly campaign. Yes. Listen, I want to hear about that. Tell me. So there's a golfer named John Daly. Yeah. There's a golfer named John Daly. He came out of the slime that he emerged from. <laughs> no, I don't know. He's like, uh, yeah, he's John Daly is this blonde, like fat, proud, like proud drinking. He's like, he's like, he's like, yeah, I like my drinks. And like, is like, PGA, let me drink. I'd be on the PGA tour. He's like that guy. He's like, oh. You know, he's like a proud scumbag kind of guy. Um, and his name is John Daly. My name is John Daly. And I used a very thin premise that his, like when you when you Googled my name, John Daly, J-O-N, it would, most of the things that came up were his fucking search results. And so what I did was I went to a golf course got into four hours of makeup and made myself into John Daly in, in, a fat, in a fat suit with fat makeup and just made like pictures on the golf course of being drunk, like him, like pre-passed out, post-pass out, like drunk on the golf course and made a website called John Daly is John And the point of the website is proliferate these pictures so that the Google image search for John Daly, no matter how you spell it, is me mixed with him, mixed with me. Me <laughs> as him, him, and then me. So it's for a while, it was like, it was really beautiful. Like you could uh, you could search 
either name and it would be like like either me or him and then it would be like four pictures of me as him and then pictures of him. it was really it worked out really well for a second there tell me about your decision to make the website look like a a, a 2002 uh likes era website oh well i had no money that was what I, <laughs> yeah. I uh i don't know i think that was like 2012 i just moved to la yeah i was just like hey can anyone make this website oh my god and at the time i was like fuck yeah but it looks like I look, I look at it now and I was like, wow, didn't I, why didn't I think to myself, this looks crazy. Let's make it look a little more official. The, the way it looks seems like it's part of the joke though. Like, yeah, I think I, it's both part of the joke and part of the like poor conditions under which we made it. Yeah. <laughs> this was before you got, you know, your internet mentions blowing up from that red hot chili pepper song. Yeah. It's before I was constantly quoted. Yeah. <laughs> I do it for the mentions, baby. Now you got the ska fame, so. Oh yeah. What What are you gonna do now? Just... Maybe I'll be Maybe I'll be the 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 guy that kicks off the ska revolution. I think that you could be. You could be our uh, knight and could be our our ska knight. Yeah, I could be the two tone. I could be the the yeah. I, I'm just gonna start dressing like a skinhead. <laughs> i bet that we can wag the dog into a scar revival by just me making fun of it and then slowly embracing it yes and it would be nice if it was so huge that like a bunch of legacy acts or not legacy acts but like you know olivia rodriguez like whoever's huge now did a, like a ska song you know <laughs> like yeah. that would be yeah and it would be like a watered down version of some ska song, but like, let's make it so like all the bigs, like Taylor Swift has a song, ska song, and I, I, it's got to be the thing. And then, and, and then you, when you're interviewed, you'll be like, what posers? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're not like, they're not real ska like me. They don't know how to dress. Like, look at my natty clothes. Do they say natty or is there, that's, uh, there might be something I make up. I make up. You get, you get to make up your words in this uh, Scott revival that you're leading. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, I can have my own words. We have skanking. We have, it'll be like branking or something. Like breakdance skanking. It's like, <laughs> like, like the, you know, like a brank pit. And it's like, it's like the most futuristic kind of dancing. Popping and locking and picking it up. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> oh man. Do you know do you know who actually which big pop artist was going to record a ska song? This is a real story here. Um, Amy Winehouse really had said in an interview, because she's a big two-tone ska fan. Wow. And she there's some bootlegs of her doing live uh, special songs. Oh, that's awesome. She had said she said in a Rolling Stones interview that her next album was gonna have some ska songs on it. Damn. Can you imagine that alternative reality if she emerged at the height of her career doing ska? That would be, somebody would have to stop her, I think. Or somebody would try to stop her, but she's one of those people who's so good that she would actually make it good. She, Yeah, it would be cool. She would make ska cool. Maybe Shannon and the Clams could do it, you know? Yes, Shannon and the Clams, if you're listening, we want to hear you guys do some ska songs. Just one... Shannon and the Clams, Shannon, do a ska song and see how it works. You yeah. can always be embarrassed about it and have it be a blip in your career, but 
then you might lead the revival and who better to do it than Shannon and the Clams. And then we get that Shannon and the John Daly duo, ska duo. Oh yeah. It's going to be huge. Yeah. <laughs> Split seven inch, multiple colored variants. I request that I'm just the guy skanking. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to In Defense of Ska. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you normally stream or download episodes. If you haven't already, grab a copy of my book, In Defense of Ska, available at clashbooks.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. It's at In Defense of Ska. And please consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com backslash in defense of Scott. You will get monthly bonus episodes, extended interviews and commentary per episode, and access to the In Defense of Scott Discord. In Defense of Scott would not be possible without the great team that tirelessly works on it every week. So you should go check out their other projects as well. Co-host Adam Davis has an amazing band called Omnigon. Give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter. It's simply at Omnigon. And our editor, Chris Reeves, has a phenomenal record label and podcast called Ska Punk International. For more information, go to skapunkinternational.com. And if you've ever enjoyed one of the highly specific indefensive ska memes floating around the interwebs, it was likely the work of the bands I like only charge $18. Find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And on that note, we leave you by saying... Ska now more than ever. Hey, everybody, it's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian, and we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how'd people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks. Hey, everybody. It's Barry from the What Podcast. Hey, it's Russ. Hey, it's Brian. And we are giving away two tickets to Bonnaroo 2024. These are GA+, and they include camping. Russ, how do people get qualified? We want to hear your top artists to play on the Bonnaroo 2024 lineup. Call 423-667-7877 and tell us who we should check out. It's the What Podcast. Thanks.